Welcome to the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. So today we're finishing our series, Nothing, which was a bit of a weird series because there was something in the Nothing series. We've looked at different things and different times in the Bible where either the idea, abstract idea of nothing has been mentioned or featured or when the word has appeared. Today we're going to be wrapping that series up on one final note. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is the chapter on love. Because as we all know in that passage, you'll have heard it at weddings, you'll have heard it everywhere, but it's so dead. This is a passage that isn't designed for weddings. It's designed for every single human being that's ever been alive. And one of the things it says in there is it says that without love, we are nothing. That we are nothing. And so we don't want to be nothing. We want to be something. We want to be someone. And we want to be someone who's aligned with what God is saying, what God wants to do in our lives. So that's why we're going to be looking at this today. Love cannot be scientifically proven. No one has scientifically proven the existence of love. That's a big deal. Because here's the funny thing. Science has never proved love exists, but I bet you there is not a single person in this room that doubts love exists. I I bet there's not a single person. And you know what the funny thing is? I think even if you come from Wakanda, love is a thing. I'm gonna throw that out. That even in Wakanda, love appears to be a thing. (laughs) We've got a Wakandan in the building. I knew we'd have one. Uh, Wakanda forever. Well, nah. Wakanda forever is a little bit much for me. Wakanda for like two months till Infinity War comes out, and we'll see how they fare. If they if they rep if they rep, I'll still be Wakanda. So none of us doubt the existence of love. And the funny thing is, it doesn't matter who I've met, what culture, what race, what class. Every human being, every people group I've ever encountered or engaged with desires and wants love above every other thing above every other thing and that's kind of an interesting thing as the great thinker of the marvel universe once said in the movie black panther what is love baby don't hurt me baby don't hurt me no more sorry if you haven't seen the film but that was my one of my favorite moments with claw i think the 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 white boy that represented in the film But what is love? (laughs) Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. I think that's a profound question and a profound song. So we're going to be reading through the passage. It's so short, chapter 13. And then we're we're going to actually think about some things. So 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the prophetic powers and the understanding of all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver my body up to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. 
When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these. Faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. So I want to look at the beginning bit because the first thing that the, the writer talks about is, is, is kind of Paul is talking about words. Words. It's just a, such a weird, weird thing. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. That is such a strange, strange statement. I think of all the things you could say about words, that if your words don't have love, if you don't have love in what you're saying, it's just noise. Whereas actually when we think about maybe our lives and the conversation we have, we have tons of conversations every single day that have zero love in them. Words, no matter how well used without love, make noise that is hard to comprehend. Words, no matter how well used without love, make noise that is hard to comprehend. If you want to lead someone and you're not speaking to them in love, it is going to be very, very difficult for you to get the end result and the way and the direction you're, you're looking to move. You can't lead people without talking to them in love. That doesn't mean you talk to them like a mamby-pamby. That's not like, love isn't like that. Love, like, you really care for someone. So sometimes love means you have to say some things that are really hard to say, that it's not the kind, love doesn't go like, this isn't a conversation we're gonna have because I love you and just totally avoid it. Like, I love Eden. I love Eden so much, but I have to tell her off because I love her. I have to, I have to lay it down and say things that are awkward because I love her, and Jodie's the same. I can say as many things as I want to Aria. I am a noisy gong whether I have love in my voice or not. She just looks at me and like, who are you? Why are you here? If you want your words to have intentionality, they have to have love. That's what hit me when I read that. That if you want anything to go anywhere, if you want your words to ever have any meaning, any weight, any value in anything you're ever gonna say to any human being, you have to have love. That is such a strange concept to me. So whenever I've looked at this passage, I've always just glanced over it and I've always gone, okay, yeah, cool, sweet. But when I started to think about it, I started to think about this is all about intentionality. And this is about taking your words, using them with intentionality and speaking love. Now Jesus said some really uncomfortable things to a lot of people, but he was always speaking with intentionality. So everything he said had a, had a final destination in mind. Every word he spoke, whether someone liked it or didn't like it, the bottom underlying line was love. Whether he was correcting some guys, some Pharisees, who by the way are not people that Jesus dislikes. The Pharisees are not the bad guys. They are the guys theologically in his time and space, they are the people with the most similar worldview to him, which is why they appear and they rub constantly because they would say something very similar to his teaching. They would call themselves hypocrites. So when Jesus calls the Pharisees hypocrites, he would sound like a Pharisee talking to another Pharisee because they would talk about themselves in that way. We get this idea that they're this type of person, they're not. Everything he says to them, he says in love, everything, with an end game to seeing that person restored, to seeing that person reconciled to God, to seeing that person brought round into the family, to be brought closer, not further away. Sometimes that means saying some hard and some painful truths. 
Other times, it's a walk in the park. You guys might experience that. I don't really get to walk in the park often by the sounds of things. I'm often having to have conversations with people. I remember someone that I was chatting to who has a passion to do full-time ministry and they really want to be about that church kind of life. And they were saying all this stuff to me and I was listening to everything they were saying and like, I just had to tell them a truth. I didn't, have to, I didn't have to tell them about themselves. It wasn't even a hard thing. But I just had to say, it's, it's not like that. You have this idea that this is going to be like that. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be like this. And this is tough. And if... Hey, you are right? Hey, you are right? Welcome, welcome. And I had to be like saying to this guy that if you, if you want to achieve that, if you want to serve God in that way, it's going to be like this. It's going to be pain. It's going to be hard. You've got to be ready for people to call you out and say things about you. And they just weren't ready to hear it. And then they just went missing. And they felt like me telling them what I've learned and what I've experienced, but saying it in love, because I could have sat there and just listened to what they say and said nothing, but it's because I love them, I wanted them to be aware. This is how it's going to be. It's like boxing, man. You've got to be willing to take the hits. If you aren't willing to take the hits, you're going nowhere. You're never going to be able to, because Christianity, we have this idea that when we talk about love, we're talking about something weak. But love doesn't carry a cross. Love taps out and goes, stuff this, I'm done. Someone else do this thing. Love sweats blood and sweat in the garden going, this is what I'm taking for you because I love you. When we think of Jesus and we think of love, we, never, we don't think about that. We think of this weird blonde haired blue eyed guy saying really effeminate voice tone in a desert somewhere with a dove flying around. And that's all we think about when we think of Jesus. And movies have, movies have crucified Jesus, maybe even more than the cross did, because he rose back from that. But people in society, when you talk about Jesus, you say something and they go, oh, that's not Jesus. You're like, you haven't read the Gospels. This guy's this guy hard body. And sometimes we have to, we're gonna have to say things. I'm not talking about going upsetting people for the sake of it. You have to intentionally upset people because you love them and because there's an end game Man, I'm not the guy who goes telling people about their lives and the things that they do, but I am the guy that's going to say an eternal truth for them that I feel is worth it. The next thing he goes on to talk about is he talks about knowledge and faith. He says, you can understand all knowledge. You can have all wisdom. You can have all prophecy. And he says, and all faith, like to remove a mountain. You can have all of that stuff. But he says, if you don't have love, he says, still, it, it's, I, he says, I am nothing. If I had all knowledge and faith to remove a mountain, I would not be calling myself nothing. I would probably be sticking up the Andy Gray Ministries website and doing my world tour. Do you know what I mean? I'd be packing out arenas, watch this man move. Woo. You know what I mean? That, that would be what it is. But in his eyes, that's nothing because actually there's only one thing worth holding. And actually every human being fundamentally knows this because every human being, regardless of race, regardless of tribe, regardless of class, all craves love and to be loved. Every single human being, more than money. Money is made up, it's fictional. If you go, we want money, we want things, we want to trade and have stuff, but ultimately everything we want is about being loved. And he says that he's nothing. And he says, if I give away all I have and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I am gaining nothing. That hit me, man. Giving without love lacks benefit. There is nothing to be gained. That's not the kind of thing you really hear in church very often. So when it's come to giving at City Hill, we've done everything in secret, we've done it digitally via the app on our website and via the banking system. We've never passed, in all the years we've done this, we've never passed an offering round. We've never done anything like that. 
because our understanding of love is that a guest comes for the first time, you're not chucking that thing around in this awkward scenario where we're all facing each other, waiting for someone to put something in. Even if you do the thing where you go like, oh, if you're here for the first time, you don't have to do it, but you still pass it by them, man. It's just like, shotgun blowing my brains out. I can't handle it. But then the, the way he's talking is you can give everything you have, your body itself to be burned, but if you have not love, there's nothing to gain from it. And that hit me this week. That hit me this week. Because there's bad guys out there that will tell you about giving to God. And I believe there's crazy blessing in financially giving to God. And I know there is because I've experienced it for my own life in so many different factors and ways. But if love isn't at the center of it, there's no gains. So if you're about that gym life and you're about those gains and you're looking at the gains all the time, just remember this. Without love, there's no gains for you. There's no gains. Without love at the center of everything you are and everything you do, there's no gains. You gain nothing. Paul likes throwing this nothing out and about in this First uh, Corinthians 13. There is nothing to be gained. Wow. But then he starts to talk about like, I guess it kind of turns into for me like a Jamie Oliver kind of cooking show. Because then what he starts talking about, he starts talking about like the ingredients, what's in love. So he goes, love is patient, love is kind. But he doesn't just talk about the ingredients that you need to put into love. He wants to make things so clear. He starts talking about the ingredients that go in it and the ingredients you'll never find in it. So he does not just like what it is, he says the things that it isn't because you and I, all of us, we get a twisted idea of what love is and society tries to define and tell us what love is. So in this passage, he not only wants to tell us what love is, he wants to tell us what it isn't. Love is patient, love is kind, rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things and it never ends. What's not in it? There's no envy in it. There's no boasting in it. There's no arrogance in it. There's no rudeness in it. It's not about its own way of the individual. It's not irritable. It's not resentful. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. And he goes on to say that all these other things around us are just fleeting and they're passing away. But that which will transcend anything we ever reach for that will live on and on and never end is love. You and I, I think we make some really bad investments. I've seen people spend their whole lives chasing after status, a particular family image, a particular job, a particular home, focused on those goals. And life goals are a good thing to have. They're a great thing to have. But so consumed by these things, and yet when it all comes down to everything, if we believe what the gospel says is true, it says that Jesus is coming back. And in the moment he comes back, the moment he arrives, every monetary system becomes of no value. Donald Trump can't say to Jesus, hey Jesus, let me tell you, I'm calling the shots around here. You're not anymore, you're done. You can't come to Jesus and go, hey Jesus, I've got a couple billion, you know, you could probably use this right now. Jesus is like, money's completely worthless, completely fictitious, holds no value. What is gonna matter? It's gonna matter that we're in his image. And Rev Run says, God is love. No, it's not him, it's John. John in the Bible says God is love. I don't know how Rev Run keeps getting away with it. Every single episode, God is love, Rev Run. No, it's the Apostle John, mate. It's plagiarism. You're lucky he's dead. You should be sued. It's not you. It's not you. I mean, I should start doing that. I should start taking a saying of Jesus that's popular and just say it and then go, Andy Gray. Andy Gray. God's love the world. Andy Gray, letting you guys know. That was me. I mean, geez, that's John again. 
guys are getting plagiarized left, right, and center. So in 1 John 4, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. There you go, Reverend. Take that. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins, that he would take our place. Beloved, if God loved us so, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So the the first book I wrote was Karma Shima Drama, which was a funny title. That was a lot of fun. But Shima is the Hebrew word to hear. And it says, Hear, O Israel, that the Lord your God is one. And you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your body, with all your soul, with everything that you are. And then he gave you some rules. You have to teach your children this. We never talk about that. We don't ever talk about love God with all you are. It says you have to teach your children this. It says you're supposed to have this on your gate as you leave and your gate as you come back in. So as you leave your house, you're focused on love. It's when you wake up, you talk about it. When you're with your friends, you talk about it. When you get home, you talk about it. The idea is that every day there's a 24-hour rhythm of pursuing love and what it means to love one another. The idea is there's a visual aid that you see every single day that reminds you, I'm about that love life. I'm about that, <laughs> I'm about that love life. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not quite how I wanted that to come out. Sounds a bit like side checkish, doesn't it? I'm about that love life. So um, he's about that love that we pursue it every day and we pursue expressions of it. We get creative with it. We use visual aids. We use these kind of things, reminders. We make it about the family. We talk about it. We discuss it. We explore ways that we can love those in our community. We, we, we address these needs. And that was the greatest command to, be a, to, to love. And there was a lawyer that came to Jesus and he raises the question. He says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, how do you, how do you read the law? And what he says in his language, the way that was spoken is, how do you hear it? Which is Shema. The guy then answers with the Shema and says, love God with all that you are. And Jesus says, you do this and you will live. Love God with all you are, love your neighbor yourself. Jesus goes, great, you have life already. You will live, you know what it means to live. But then he starts to go on and he asks a question. He goes, yeah, but Jesus, there's this thing that's bugging me. Who's my neighbor? And what he's really saying is not who's my neighbor. He's saying, who don't I have to love? What people group can I ignore? What race can I ignore? What class can I ignore? What gender can I ignore? What sexuality can I ignore? Who can I ignore and put outside of the box of who I have to love? That's what he's saying when he says, who is my neighbor? He's saying, who don't I have to love? And then Jesus tells an interesting story and he says, well, there was this guy and he was going down, he was going on this road, he was traveling, he was on business. And then these robbers set about and they beat him up and then there's this, 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 this priest turns by, this Pharisee, and then he starts listing out these key influences of social innovators in their community that pass by. And the guy's like, wow, okay, so those guys had all this knowledge, this idea, but they didn't have love, they weren't about it, they weren't about that life, they passed by. And then he says, but then there's this Samaritan walking by. Samaritan, mixed race, outcast. Israel have nothing to do with them. They don't interact with them. They wouldn't be allowed to date them, anything like that. Just stay over there. We don't want your kind around here coming over here, stealing our jobs. That's how it's going on. So this Samaritan's coming down, and then he sees him. He bandages him up. He puts him on the donkey, and then he says, takes him to an innkeeper, walks along the road, carrying, walking along, carrying it his own weight while the, the other guy rides um, on, on the whip. Takes him to the place, says to him, hey, here's some money. If you need anything more, I will come back and I'll pay for it. And then... He goes away and then he says to this guy, so who, who was the neighbor in the story I just told? 
And the guy does this really crazy thing where he says, the one who showed him mercy. You see, for him, the division was so high, he couldn't even say his name. He couldn't call him Samaritan. It would be like a KKK, National Front, a racist person hearing the story and the hero being black. And when Jesus said, who showed him, who was the neighbor? He'd be going, the blah, blah, eh. Not being able to say it because of the hatred, because of the sin in his life, right? That's what the story is saying. So we don't see that because we don't understand the culture. We see the one who showed him mercy. He won't call him what he is. He won't say what it is. There's no love in this man. He, he says he's kept the law all his life. He's on the straight and narrow, been doing good things. But Jesus brings out straight away, there is no love in you. You can give all the good deeds you want. You can give all the money you have, but you've got zero love in you. This guy isn't going to receive life from God because God is about love and Jesus is about to give his body to be burned, to be broken for us. Romans 8 verse 37 says, knowing all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The only reason you and I get to conquer is through his love because he's loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation would be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because his love is intentional, it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. It's intentional. It's in every word he speaks. It's in every act that he does. And if you and I are ever going to encounter the fullness of what God has for us, it doesn't happen by accident. You don't wake up one day with some charismatic feeling of the spirit of God that you're going to love people that day you make a decision and you get intentional and you focus in on an individual that comes across your path because all of us can do the Pharisee and the priest and walk by the person in need it's so easy we do it in London all the time but it takes someone consumed by God's love who's experienced and encounters God's love to stop and do it love is intentional it doesn't just happen how much love you will have give share will purely and solely rest on how much energy time resources you intentionally put into pouring out love if you don't you're never going to experience it and i hate to break that to you this morning but that's just the truth love isn't easy in a marriage you have to be intentional if you just leave it to happen it's never going to work and you will contribute to the result the divorce statistics or statistics as Big Shaq would say. Check the statistics. I'm going to pray for us today and we're going to wrap up this series here. Father, I thank you for your grace and your faithfulness towards every single one of us. I thank you that you first loved us while we were sinners. I pray that that love we would encounter by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would start to transform us. I pray, Father, that you would start to put a burden on our hearts and in our spirits and that we would start to intentionally seek out creative ways to love in our families, in our communities, in our sphere of influence, and those that happen to come across our path. We thank you, Lord, that you didn't love us one day on a whim, but you intentionally set about coming from the form of God, becoming flesh and blood like us, and being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, and that you rose again, and that because of that, you were given the name of our very name, because you bowed the lowest, you served us, because your love was so intentional, your love was so missional, and your love was so on point to meet us where we were. May we be people who flow in that same intentionality and commitment, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Conversation.